Crime or Tall Tale, the true crime podcast where each episode my co-host, Jackie, or I, my name is Kat, <laughs> will tell you two stories of heinous crimes. One is true, the other, not so much. Can you guess which is which by the end of the episode? How are you doing, Jack? I'm good. Sorry, I changed up my intro. <laughs> That's, listen, change is good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the world thrives on change. I'm good. Been a long week, you know. Um, yeah. But work I was there in the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> but no, work has been so busy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just in physical pain. We know this. We don't need to get into it. But we're recording. This is the first, this is the first time they've heard from us since, um, the mad dash before vacation. Oh my god. Wow. That was, that was wild. I don't, uh, we probably mentioned it in those recordings, um, but I forget, and I haven't, I haven't listened to those. We definitely, <laughs> we definitely have mentioned it. Um, we, Jack went on a vacation, so we recorded two episodes pretty much back to back. So this is our first one back. It's yet to be seen if you can actually hear it, but if you hear some distant hammering, it's the, happening right now. So yeah, this is the test, but um. Our neighbors are getting their roof redone, and apparently they don't believe in stopping when it gets dark. So there's just this lone man on the roof in the dark, hammering. There's no light on, like, no spotlight or anything. He's just on the roof at 8.30 at night. Like, we thought we'd be fine to record after dark, because I'm like, they're not gonna, like, hoist, you know, construction lights up there. And they didn't. But he said, you know who who can work in the dark? Me. He's got night vision, baby. Like, like, I don't know. He's superhuman. I mean, like, I respect a man who's committed to his craft (laughs) and his overtime. Yeah. I hope he's getting overtime for working into the night. Like, I think he's just determined to finish that roof. No, good for him. Um, But also, someone is still living in that house. What are they hearing? Oh, my God. You know what? I Shall we... Shall we get into? I mean, how how are you doing? Oh well, I mean, I said I was in physical pain, but I'm I'm otherwise fine. You know, there's been a nice fall breeze in the air. Uh, well, yeah, there has. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so over summer and being sticky. I never really got like an actual like day per se. I got like a beach evening <laughs> once, and then I like. I got a few little, like, beach afternoons around here, but it wasn't, like, full commitment to the beach because it was just me driving down there alone. Yeah. And that doesn't feel as fun as, like, you know, a beach day where it's, like, you go with a friend. It's, like, if, yeah. I, if I drive down to, like, the beach, we live in a coastal town, so it takes no time to get to the beach. If I just dro- pop over to the beach, it's not a beach day. Never really got a beach day with my buds, so you know what? Fuck that. I'm ready for fall. I had my first um, pumpkin spice latte. Ooh, from Dunkin' or did Starbucks get theirs back? Oh, it was Dunkin'. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. was it was post <laughs> Hampton Beach Day and then 90s night. And I was, you know, laying in bed hungover. Right. And someone was like, we're making a coffee wrong. And I'm like, I was like, I would love you forever if you get me the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. And they came back with a bonus cider donut. So. Wow. Anyway, so now that you mentioned pumpkin spice being back at Dunkin', Autumn is rearing its beautiful head. Late August always just gives me the vibes of, it's preamble spooky season. It's it's skeletons and a pool floaty. It's awesome. We love it. It's getting closer to Halloween. Autumn, like, leaves. I'm, like, waiting. I'm looking at the leaves, and I'm going, turn, you coward, right? It's fitting, you know? And it's fitting somewhat for our subject today. Uh, what? Uh-huh. I mean, you 
guys clicked on the title, um, so you already know, surprise, surprise, but we are talking about Peach Tiles today, which are very different than Halloween Witches, so just forget all of that autumn stuff that we, like, just sprinkled in, um, Witch Trials are nightmares. <laughs> yes. Not cute. <laughs> the reality of Witch Trials is quite disparate from the Wicked Witch and Hocus Pocus iconography that we are used to. And in fact, this topic is literally like quite close to home for us. You know, if you're raised in Massachusetts, you definitely, well, Jack, you weren't raised in Massachusetts. I was raised in Massachusetts. You always hear the history of the Salem Witch Trials. Surprisingly, they taught us that too in Jersey. Really? That's awesome. We spent a whole day, oh my god, that was the most fun class ever, and that's a horrible thing to say, but so many things yeah. went wrong. Like, the clock stopped twice. We were convinced that shit was going down. Oh my we god. We talked about um, how, like, if there is a sudden animal death, people thought you were a witch, and I was like, I had kittens die this summer, and then someone pointed at me and called me a witch. What the fuck? It was oh my riot. god! It was high school. You were really like reenacting like both like the Salem witch trials and the McCarthy trials. Were you reading like the? We weren't reading damn shit. Oh my! I, well, I was going to suggest you were reading like the the play. My history teacher just stood up in the front of the class and told us straight facts with some flavor in there. We learned about um, Giles Corey, and somehow we got a whole lot of laughs. Oh, laughs! Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Well, Maybe I'll cut this out because it paints me in a poor light, but it was a time. I was 16. <laughs> well, um, unless you're uh, Jacqueline's cousin in high school in... High school? Yeah, high school. Oh, Jesus Christ. In Jersey. Uh, in Massachusetts, we kind of, like the Puritans, were very morose about the subject. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, when I say witch trials, your mind has definitely conjured, and yes, I use the word conjured deliberately, images of the Salem witch trials, which are by far the most famous witch trials in the colonial U.S., if not history entirely. Like, if you try, and this is a nightmare that I dealt with, trying to find anything other than information about the Salem witch trials, it is extraordinarily difficult. <laughs> Everything else is just overshadowed. Literally, even I, if I write European witch trials, it'll be like, you meant Salem? And I'm like, no. No, we meant the ones where they actually burned them. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're not going to talk about the Salem Trials, save for, like, in reference to them today. Um, we're going to talk about some lesser known, like, a lesser known set of trials. We're going to talk about the Connecticut Trials of 1747 through 1669. These trials predate the Salem Trials by nearly 30 years and were considered the first large-scale witch trials. Oh, yeah. We don't, you don't hear nothing about the Connecticut Trials, do you? <laughs> We only hear about Salem! So, witch trials were a common practice in Europe and later in the Americas. As humans do, we always look for a scapegoat, and often the victims of such searches, more often than not, are those on the outskirts of society. Widows, the elderly, and the infirm. Though many men, too, were tried and convicted of witchcraft, more of the condemned were women. Yes. There was a bit of a trend. There's a little bit of a disparity there. Greed also played a hand, as seen in the Salem Trials. Many of those accused were either those who could not easily defend themselves, or those with means that their neighbors were jealous of. For example, Giles Corey was a landholder in the Salem Trials, and it is assumed that part of the reason that he was accused was so that his properties could be confiscated and redistributed, because a person convicted of witchcraft could not have any 
assets. That leads into, like, why he was pressed. Right, so if he dies before he enters a plea, or having yeah. never entered a plea, they can't collect his things. Right. So I did talk a little bit of the Salem Trials. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> but that that's not our major stories for the day. This is, this is the context. These are the statistics. Yes. You like the statistics. Yes. You like the context. So do I. I'm, I'm a, a context, context girly. Oh, God, we're insufferable. <laughs> we're awful. <laughs> um... Also, another thing I want, I need to clear up, and you kind of nodded to it a little bit earlier, um, because this is an extreme pet peeve of mine. Um, as a Massachusetts native and a part-time hobby historian, no witches were burned in the United States. Let me say that again. No witches were burned in the United States. And I'm not talking about, you know, them being innocent. Of course, they're all, like, innocent. They're victims. Right, we're not saying the semantics of witch versus innocent person on trial. I'm saying none of them were burned. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, let me, let me calm down for a moment. <laughs> Burning at the stake and water tests, like the, where does she float? Or oh yeah, they like throw you into the lake know? with what, rocks uh, or whatever? Were strictly featured in cases of European witch trials, uh, which were focused more around the 15th and 16th centuries. Later 17th century cases, like the Connecticut witch trials, and especially the Salem trials, were actually a dying breed. By the time that the Salem trials occurred in 1692, witch paranoia was pretty much over as we were entering the Age of Enlightenment. So, and I think that's why they talk about Salem so much, is because it was so late, and they're like, what made all these people who should have been enlightened or should have known better lose their mind? Yeah, exactly. As, as we said earlier, keep in mind that the crimes in these cases that I'm going to talk about are not about the people on the, trial. The people on trial. They are not the criminals here. They are the victims. The victims of ignorance, greed, and fear. Um, most uh, witch trial victims have now been posthumously pardoned. The last of the Salem trial like, uh, victims was actually only just pardoned last year. I remember when that happened. I remember that news article and it was like wild. I'm blanking on the name because I didn't write it down, but all of the Salem victims are now pardoned. I don't know about the cases I have today. So now with the history lesson and my angry pet peeves, no witches were burned in the United States, stop spreading false facts. Let's get on to our cases, actually. Amazing. Um, wine? <laughs> Time for wine. I feel like we could have let this bit die naturally, but I also won't let us. I'm like, we gotta do the last of them. We gotta do the last of them. How many left do we have left? Oh, two more. That'll it's like we planned this shit. So this is just a red blend. Nice. And it has an interesting taste, too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's acidic. Okay. Sommelier. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of an aftertaste. A little acidic. It smells a little basement-y. We've also had, we've these, also had these since We've December. had these over six months. Um, so... I mean, they are school aged. Yeah, they're supposed to age. I mean, it's not in the barrel. I don't care. <laughs> We're not sommeliers. Um, but it was kept in a cool, dry place, not hit by direct sunlight. There's no reason it should have spoiled. Yeah, it's it compares. That is a very uneven pour, Miss Beth. Well, your glass wasn't empty when I poured. I was chugging. All right, we're back. We're back, and I just wanted to add that the um the last Salem quote unquote witch uh that was wrongly convicted and then posthumously pardoned was Elizabeth Johnson. I just wanted to, my, my Google search helped me real quick. Amazing. I'm so glad we could 
bring that to the listeners. I just, I just wanted to throw my fact back at you guys. Now, with that out of the way, I'm going to get into case number one. All right. So they say hate grows in a small town. Right? Oh. Yeah. In New Haven, Connecticut, in the early spring of 1657, hatred grew like wildfire. Three births were attended to by local midwife Sarah Crawford. Okay. And they went terribly wrong, resulting in the untimely deaths of three infants and one mother. Oh, yeah. People mm-hmm. are gonna. People are gonna. Oh, yeah. no. Sarah Crawfield was born in 1599 in Devonshire, England, before traveling to what would become the Connecticut colonies. Hmm. Raised by a Puritan family, she led a quiet life. Now, at the age of 58, she was, was, a respected midwife. And before he, these three. Before these three. Mm. You know, it's it's not outlandish in this time period to have, like, infant death, you know? Right, I mean, but that's like, very common. Well, I think people are going to notice when there's three, three consecutive in a row with the same midwife. Like, yeah. Correlation doesn't mean causation, but yeah, they didn't have that saying back Especially then. Especially in this time period where superstition sort of reigns supreme. Like, it's going to be bad time. Well, like, she's getting older, I imagine. People, yeah. She's 50 is ancient. Right. Like, she's feeling more period. vulnerable. People are viewing her as more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So she was a respected midwife and also a healer. Um, but she was widowed three times. So three times. Three times. Yeah. I mean, like, I imagine if you get to fifty-eight, you're not living a husband or two in the six, eight. When you're sixteen, in the six, in the sixteen hundreds. I love how I tried so hard to commit that year to memory and then immediately forgot if we were in the sixteen hundreds or eighteen hundreds. <laughs> but yes, in the sixteen hundreds, if you look at fifty-eight, I imagine you might outlive a husband for three. I mean, I say that. My my mom has outlived two husbands. Yeah. She lived on simple means, having not married well in any of her marriages. Like, she didn't marry advantageously or anything. And now she lived off of both the kindness of others and received paltry payments for her services, which were midwifery and some of her herbal remedies. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Paltry payments. Does it involve chicken at all? No, not poultry. (laughs) (laughs) Not poultry. Paltry, which paltry. means small. Let me not perjure myself. Paltry, I'm quite sure. P-A-L-T-R-Y. Oh. Paltry. Small or meager. Not poultry. Not poultry. That's my bad, <laughs> poultry. folks. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I used a thesaurus on this one. I didn't. I'm a thesaurus. You naturally are, yes. No, folks. Uh-huh. I'm just a little slow. It's okay. This is why we work. Anyway, <laughs> English lessons aside, back to the show. Though she was not ostracized for her medicine, as midwifery was an acceptable trade for women of the time. Oh, it's feminine business. This was, like, before, like, the full-on shift where, like, doctors took over everything. Right, like, where medicine became a man's privilege. Yeah, exactly. But, like, with, like, the male doctors in the town, there was still a little bit, like, they should be coming to us for things for their sniffles and not you. And she was selling business. Well, she was selling business. Which, like, no, good for her. Good for Let her. Let her make a living. She was, like, doing her midwifery. She was healing on the side. She, in fact, actually had a well-documented, like, journal. Oh! Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. So oh, yeah, I've been doing more journaling. This was used against her in court. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry! That's awful. That's also my worst nightmare. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> like, not even so much in the journaling, but, like, you throw out a random text message, you're like, oh, I hate him, I want to set his house on fire. And then all and then of a sudden, and then there's arson involved. And, and then, then all like, of a sudden, they're like, "Hi, we're calling you as a witness and submitting your text messages as evidence A." And I'm like, "No, it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke, Your Honor. I've yeah. never bought lighter fluid in my life. Yeah, except for that one time I was refilling my lighters three weeks ago. Oh, oh God, God that, no! Oh, what a coincidence! Oh, no, you gotta believe me, sir. <laughs> oh, your Honor, Your Honor, Your Honor, please. You broke my heart. Yeah. So this this was I. I'm about to throw in another <laughs> another thesaurus word at you. I was like, this was used against her in court and cajoled to the courts as devil's work. Okay, I put up my hand ready to catch the thesaurus word. Bring up the definition. Okay. Let me let me just read you. I've never I feel so like I'm uneducated. <laughs> she had a well documented journal. Her journal was used against her in court and cajoled the courts as devil's work. I could have just used persuaded, <laughs> but I had to be extra. So, um, forgive me. This was enough evidence to persuade the court. Okay. That it was devil's work. Even though it was all of just her herbal remedies and stuff like that, they were like, they painted it in a certain light. No women, no woman can have such knowledge without being in league with Satan. Oh my God. It's like the whole ancient alien series. Like, oh my God, God forbid, like civilizations of color achieve anything without the help of aliens. Exactly. Exactly. So the journal in question, which was lost for a little while, was actually found in 1999. Oh, um, so like, you, like, you know how in Salem they have some like, ex like things. Right, everything. so it's like in a museum somewhere. Yeah. So like, it's, pro it's probably in some like, back alley archive. I don't someone has it. It exists. Someone has it. It exists. It was found in 1999 when construction for a new shopping center unearthed all of this stuff. They were like going to like pave it over and they were like getting rid of like tree trunks and stuff where they were making this shopping center in New Haven, Connecticut. And they found like the journal and then they found like a hammer and like a few other like bits and bobs. Oh, so like li like, like literal like um like artifacts. a little bit of artifacts. Yeah. And they cross-referenced like some of like the court documents of the time because there was like some like it was under it was underground and it was like a little bit damaged but they they cross-referenced it with court documents of the time and it revealed like her name and like wow so, so like yeah it matches the, it was it was legit you know it matches the records that's amazing could you imagine finding that like being i don't know if it's like could you imagine like being the archaeologist called in when they find it and you're like this was used in a witch trial. This was used in a witch trial, and I can I'm, give me give me that first hand source. Let me read those documents. <laughs> like like I'm Nicholas Cage. Let me get my grubby little hands on the Declaration of Independence. Oh my god! Are we gonna make the Declaration of Independence? Are we gonna make National Treasure like our something we reoccurringly bring up? National Treasure is something that you should always bring up. Uh, so the winter of 1656, going into like the early spring of 1657. Why are those dates so difficult? For me? They they were rough. Okay, you know, and the bad winter. It was a bad winter, and spring was not much better. Like before global warming, spring was very miserable. So I mean, arguably, it's still miserable. It's still miserable, but it gets hot way quicker. Yes, so it's 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 cold and miserable. It's cold and miserable. Okay, so there were three pregnant women, all heavily pregnant, went into labor just days from each other, and it was difficult not to notice the sting of their collective. Uh, right, like it's gonna affect the whole 
three women. All of them were pregnant throughout this rough winter, and it's the early spring. Like, it's, like, March, right? Like, still basically winter. Right, and, like, people are still dealing with, like, the, the like, um, cabin fever of it all. Cabin fever of it all. There's not really enough, like, food because at the farm yet. So, a terrible time to, to have children. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I feel like you're just happy you're made it through the pregnancy and then to have right. them die in childbirth. So Sarah was called to attend on the first mother, Sarah Young, mm-hmm. whose infant son was stillborn. Oh. Just a few hours later, she was called to the second mother, Goody Curry, whose daughter she named Timothea. She lasted only a few, like an hour only an hour before she was called to God. Um, so, then the third and final mother was Patience Mather, the wife of a notable member of the town. Both she and the infant boy died that night after she suffered from convulsions post-birth. Oh, like, mm-hmm. like she may have had a seizure. These convulsions that were described by others attending the birth and later used in the trial against her according to modern scholars, are likely attributed to preeclampsia, a condition that severely affects blood pressure during pregnancy that was thought to maybe have caused a seizure. So, like, a condition related to the pregnancy. Yeah. Okay, okay. But at the time, they saw a woman going through convulsions. I think she's possessed. It's very easy to think the worst. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Especially of the person who is attended, who is attending to to these uh, birds, and none of them are going well. Right, and, like, I won't pretend to, like, be, like, a modern-day midwife or whatever, but, like, it sounds like these are things that are not avoidable depending on who's helping you through the birth. Like, it sounds like they are pre-existing conditions. Right, and in, like, the time period, it's just, it was just, like, impossible to, like, have, like, it was more likely than not that a child would die in infancy, but, and, like, the likeliness of, like, a mother dying in childbirth is fine, but it's, like, these were back-to-back, like, literally, like, days and hours apart from each other. Right, like, I th- yeah, it's the, it's the collection, it's the pooling of all this tragedy in one place and one time that's gonna make people lose their minds. Right. So these four deaths close together stirred the small town of New Haven, and they sought to stake the blame on the woman closest women. And not long after Reverend Mather filed his complaint about Sarah Crawfield, other testimonies of witchcraft allegations began to trickle in. So Frances Welker claimed that her spectral form had come to him at night, chasing him down the road after dark. We love spectral evidence. We love spectral evidence. And by that I mean we hate it, darling. It's not evidence. He also claimed that he had seen her muttering strange things to the large book in the talking to the truth okay i mean if i heard that nowadays i'd think mental illness or she's just very spiritual girly very spiritual girly i gotta stop saying girly (laughs) it's just like punch me in the face repentance hale whose sister patience mather the one who died in childbirth said that she had witnessed sarah crawfield muttering incantations over the head of her sister as the convulsions took her body young sally mcknight claim who was also there like Oh, as a servant girl, claimed that the muttering Sarah was doing was the Lord's Prayer. So someone came to her defense. Someone came to her defense. Okay. What? Okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) There's a but there, sorry. There's always a but. There's always a but. Just so so you know. So these these accusations were coming in, like, 
shortly after. Deaths happened in like March and April. People started like saying things. It was May when Sarah was arrested. Okay, so like when you say these people are giving reports, like it's not just town gossip. Like they're going to the sheriff they're go- or they're the judge. They're going to the magistrate, and oh, with enough okay. of them going to these like the the people and the powers that be, then like they then action happens, take charge. So she was arrested in May, but of course, pretty much very like shortly after she was arrested, Sarah had a stroke. <gasps> mm-hmm. So when I ask a very strange question, do they know it's a stroke? 1657. I don't have an answer. Okay, okay. Never mind, moving on. Unfortunately, I don't have an answer for that, but so when her trial was actually occurring in September. So they kept her in jail all summer. Yes. Probably in horrific conditions. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) So by the time her trial actually happened, she could no longer speak to defend herself because of that stroke. I don't even want to imagine that helpless feeling. Like, you know, like when they say when you have dreams, your teeth mm-hmm. fall out it's because you feel out of control yep. of your situation this is the real life situation she can't speak she can't defend herself yep and a damning piece of evidence um at the time period as a sign of a witch was being unable to say the lord's prayer she can't say anything she can't say anything jesus so even like sally mcknight's like claim of like i know she was saying the lord's prayer and witches aren't supposed to do that but now she can't and now and now she can't Sally McKnight was the only one of Sarah's neighbors who came to her defense. And it is a small miracle that she was not accused of witchcraft herself for that. When you said young Sally, so, like, is she, like, a teenager or, like, a child? I would say maybe, like, 13. Okay, okay. Like, she was there. Richard Montague took the stand and claimed that he witnessed Sarah gathering bees for some untold reason without getting stung. That was the whole account. She was gathering bees. Have you ever seen a beekeeper? People do that. But no, but like raw dog in it. Just gathering bees. I'll be honest, it does sound like witchcraft to me. But Carla's Carla's she she's she's connecting with nature, she's saving the bees. Mm-hmm. Just gathering them. Maybe she's it saving just, them somewhere it, nicer. It just, it just feels like wild. <laughs> like that's, oh my god. You know, just that was the Yeah, like, like that man that really was, that was the whole sentence. Okay, here's the thing. No other context. I'm gonna say something that's maybe controversial. I believe that most witnesses against the person on trial in which trials have just made it up. So if you're gonna make shit up, that's that's what you're that's going what with. You're going, you're going with. with bees. You're going with not she controlled the swarm and sicked them on a poor yeah. child. It's no, she gathered them and they didn't hate it. <laughs> like yeah. that's all you got? Yeah. And they didn't hate it. They didn't protest. <laughs> Stop not protest. Stop not protest. Um, William Warren testified that in addition to her healing services, Sarah also gave out fortunes and profits of luck. He alleged that Sarah had read the palms of four townsfolk, himself included, and the daughter of his master, who was also a servant. I guess everyone's a servant. I mean, that's fine. You gotta work. But hey, why did if that's so bad, why did you get your palm read? Right? He said that Sarah had stated, he heard this, that she had said she had her skill from Lily. Which is in reference to the English astrologer, William Lilly, who wrote a book on the stock giants. Oh, um, not astrology. I was thinking astrology. Lilith. Um, oh, but he's from Lilly. Okay, so, okay. So, like, so modern, <laughs> modern day, what we, what we might call modern day witchcraft is, and it's, oh my god. Well, I don't okay. even have words for this. So, again, 
So the mid-1600s, over in Europe, the Reformation is happening and the beginning of the Enlightenment is happening. So having an astrologer is not the wildest thing in England, where they're like, we don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, like, we're just... But part of the reason the Puritans are in the United States uh... or the colonies at the time is because they went, we don't like how they're so willy-nilly over there in England. We are going to go to the co- make some colonies so that we can have our religious hoity-toitiness. So to reference a person who is dabbling in not astronomy, but astrology. That's why I'm saying it's it's palm reading. Like, she's learning about star signs and palm reading astrology. Oh, yeah. From, from this English astrologist. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> they're like, that's, that's no good. That is a no from us. And so with that... and. All of the other evidence stacked against her. The courts of New Haven and Hartford, Connecticut, they deem Sarah guilty of witchcraft. And she was jailed for some weeks, having been jailed since May. Right, all summer. And was executed on October 5th, 1657. And they hanged her. Yes. They did not burn her. Well, yes. As we went over. (laughs) As we went over very thoroughly, they hanged her. Oh my god. And there's like... Like public defenders in 1657. Not for witches in uh, in this Puritan society. No, everyone's against the witch. I meant like a court assigned. No, no one is helping. There's her. no like freedom for like religion unless sort of. I mean, there is because they left England for that freedom of religion. But like it was like no, there's no, no, no separation of church and state. No, it is all church and all state in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> Are you good in good hands? Not here. Sarah was not. We wouldn't be if we were there. Nope, we were not. Oh god, that's awful. That's tragic. What is upsetting about this is that it always stems from tragedy. But because in like, you know, a society like this where it's heavily like religiously influenced, there is never just tragedy for tragedy's sake. There has to be a scapegoat. There has to be a reason. It's either there's a reason or you're out of God's favor, and that is unimaginable. Which is completely unimaginable for, like, a Puritan society where everything about their lives is dedicated to their religion. No, like, no happiness, only serving God. And like, Or it's like everything that happens is a direct reflection of how committed you are to your faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if three babies die and a mother dies and they're all, they're, some, someone must have been doing something awful to anger the Lord. Right. Therefore, you must punish that person so that the rest of you can be okay. Therefore, it must be a witch! Oh, that was case number one. Witchcraft. Witchcraft! I love that TikToker. Who was it, Elijah? Elijah. Uh, oh my god. Listen, he helped me assimilate to Massachusetts ways. I say witchcraft literally all the time. We set up little scenarios of that in our apartment. The other night, we were literally doing witchcraft, and Aries came out of the bathroom, we're like, witchcraft, witchcraft. Oh um, shout out Elijah Bolton. I don't know if I'm saying your last name correctly. I don't know how to read. Do we say anything correctly in Massachusetts? You're so right. This is Massachusetts, the land of the free. <laughs> where we are free to say things incorrectly. Or we just make up words. <laughs> Listen, I respect Hard and soft limits. That's a hard limit for you, babes. It is. You are very good at respecting hard and soft limits. 
Don't make it don't make it kinky. Ah! Did I get more kinky? I'm gonna make someone so happy someday. You really are. <laughs> but it's not you and it's not today. <laughs> case is also among the Connecticut Witch Trials cases. Okay. This one follows Kathleen Harrison. Oh, Kathleen. Uh, Kathleen. And she, unlike Sarah, is a land-building widow. Oh, there's financial gain. Um, is this sort the same of. year-ish? No, it's a little bit later. Okay, okay. Actually. So this is like in, uh, like 1768? Not 17. 1668. I know so, how to say uh, About a year later. About like a decade. Oh, sorry, we were in the 50s. Okay, yes. yes. Like, <laughs> ten-year gap, Jackson. <laughs> I'm not good with numbers, but I work in banking. That's okay, I just said 17, and I was like, that's not what I I'm saying. like, that's much later. <laughs> that's a lot later. That's like a set, that's... Century? Later? Yes, yes, When yes. the Salem trials were the last one, I'm just incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, earlier in life, she was a servant. To a captain in the town that I did not write the name down of. I just wrote Captain. Perfect. Love that. Captain. Name. Captain. She later married a well-off farmer. Okay. When he died, he left. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, we went from their wedding to their to his funeral. That was a quick transition. <laughs> it wasn't that quick in, in the timeline. I just kind of was just summarizing events. When he died. <laughs> Um, he left her one of the wealthiest women somewhere in Connecticut. Perfect. Love that for me. It was only after her husband's death and the absence of his protection did the witchcraft allegations begin. Mm. How how kismet that timing, really. You know, people love when they don't have to deal with a husband. Yeah. There's no man to defend her. No man to defend a woman? Oh, God. Much like with some of the, the cases in the Salem Trials, Reed is a bedfellow to have. So in September of 1666. Yes, 1666. Which I think is also the same year that England had a big giant fire and they're like, it's the devil because this is 1666. Oh! Um, anyway, in September of 1666, Kathleen's husband John died after suffering with a long malady. Never went into what said malady was or anything like that. He was just ill and then he perished from it. Product of the times. Product of the times. He had revised his will just the month before. Oh, that's always suspicious. Oh, but there's no suspicion. He's like, I'm probably not going to make it out of I mean, of you life. can't die without seeing a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. And he left his money and property to his wife and Thomas. Okay. His eldest daughter, Rebecca, received about 60 pounds. Because this is before daughters. I'm gonna, well, I mean, I'm gonna say in the time where, where it's like, okay, it's like $60, like, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, considering it's um, the 1600s of it all. The 1600s of it all, really. And his middle and youngest daughters, Eliza and Sarah, received 40 okay. pounds. Okay, you know, the eldest um, gets a little more, that's fine. Yeah. Kathleen got the estate and was left the executor of said estate, which means she was, like, awarded, like, the estate and, like, like the, the land. Of, like, the, the land, but, like, all of, like, the rest of the money was, like, locked up into the land. To know, Kathleen did try to petition the courts asking to give her daughters more money. Like, oh, to just give it. That that was my question. I'm like, if she's the like, executor of the estate, she can't just be, you know, 
handed out, but I'm thinking it's because oh, she's, she's a woman. A woman. <laughs> so oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she's a woman. No. So she's like, will a man please take my money and give it to my daughters? Yeah, she was trying to squeeze out of, like, the estate $210 for the eldest and $200 for the younger two, stating that the girls were left, quote, inconsiderate portions from their father. Oh, okay, so she's advocating for them. Yeah. This fell on deaf ears, like we just went over. I don't fully understand why Kathleen couldn't just give her daughters more money, unless it was tied up in this, the estate, which I think is likely, and the woman of it all. Yes. Um, regardless, she tried, but courts just have a habit of not listening to her, which is great. Is it not listening to her or not listening to women? Ooh. Say it again for the people. <laughs> Kathleen later appointed two men, Jonathan and Josiah Gilbert, as her daughter's guardians because apparently, again, in Puritan times, a single mother couldn't do such a thing. Right? Can you have like an estimate of how young these younger daughters are? No. Okay. I mean, I see what they need. I see they need appointed guardians. They're fairly young. I feel like no matter their age, they are needing guardians because. 1600s, it's a, a male guardian. Because then, frankly, like, if you're trying to, like, court properly, you need a chaperone, and I feel like that's... Like, you need well, a man to negotiate your marriage. I feel like a chaperone would constitute as, like, an older, like, woman, but a guardian would be, like, a man who's telling you who you need to be together. Right, like, who's so, picking out a, a husband for you and negotiating the deal. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, I it, these girls could be anywhere from 6 to 16. They still legally, I guess, need a man to be in charge of them. Let's get into some of the allegations against against Kathy. Right, because right now she's just a rich widow. As I said earlier, it was not long after her husband's death that Kathy began to experience ill will from her neighbors, which soon turned into witchcraft allegations. Naturally. Naturally. And I mean, not long, but, you know. Years, a little bit actually. Well, I feel like like months to years, like things escalated, right? Like even with our last year, like it took a few months of people going to the powers that be for the rumors to kind of collect, right? Right. So in this case, um, two years after her husband John Harrison's death in sixteen sixty six and sixteen sixty eight, Catherine was accused of slander. Very, oh, very witchy. Um, she talked bad about someone? Yeah, so she was accused of slander by Mr. Michael Griswold. Kathleen even said that Michael Griswold would have had to be paying so damn long ago. Like, he's like, this guy's he's had it out for me. This guy has it out for me for no goddamn reason. Griswold claimed that Kathleen had called his wife a savage whore. Oh, burn! And Kathleen denied this. Okay, I know whore is somewhat of a harsh term even nowadays. I can imagine it held a lot of weight back then, especially. But damn, was there anyone to back this up? (laughs) Or do you just get to have someone arrested because they said, honestly, a quite offensive thing about your wife? Just have facts to make you sad. I'm so sorry. Sorry. I, I <laughs> this is the worst part of having a podcast with me is I'm just like, so the legality of it, and you're like, so don't I, look behind the curtain. Literally, I like my next sentence is just gonna make you feel worse. 
<laughs> so Kathleen denied this, uh, the allegations of, like, I didn't slander her. But then she soon gave in to the accusations, acknowledging herself a female, a weaker vessel, subject to passion. And that just makes me sad. <laughs> like, literally, like, it's like, okay, I know feminism didn't exist then, but it hurts me so much now to, like, hear a woman just go, fine, okay, I'll admit to fucking slander. I'm a weaker vessel. And, and I could not resist the temptation. And I'm subject to passion because I am just not as smart as a man. And you she ended up also paying him 40 pounds and, like, defamation fees and it's like oh my god like she like went like let me heal the wound like verbatim and gave him like 40 bucks basically it's a lot of money back then right considering her oldest daughter's initial inheritance was only 60 right um and her two other daughters also earned that amount of money yeah like and he just kind of like fuck you okay fuck you michael griswold there's a lot for me to unpack here like a i hate that she had to admit to, like, I'm the weaker sex and I'm subject to passion. And, oh, it's all just because I couldn't hold back my poor womanly head. But then also she's like, I'll make it better. For something she may or may not have done. Mm-hmm. That can't be proven. She's like, I'll make it better. Here's $40. And I apologize. And he's like, no. Yep. Also, it wasn't really long after these accusations of slander that Kathleen began to notice harm coming animals on her farm. She noticed that her livestock was being attacked. By what? Her oxen were being beaten to the point of broken ribs and she was like unable to use them to like plow fields. Because also who so... the fuck is beating an ox? Uh-huh. Um, her pigs had their ears marked and young cattle she would find stabbed to death and with the weapons still in their bodies. What? She even had witnesses like Jonathan and Josiah Gilbert, who I mentioned before. The Guardians. The Guardians. Like, she even had, like, witnesses to, like, hey, yeah, these didn't start until after her husband was dead and people are, like, bullying this poor woman. Right, and, like, but do people go on and then be like, she's hurting her cattle? She begged courts to recognize her claim because she was like, it's other people. Like, even, like, her, like, cornfield was being trampled by horses that she didn't like, people were just, like, rotting their horses through People there. were just being assholes. People were being assholes, and she begged the courts to, like, recognize her claim and listen to her, but once again, her voice fell on deaf ears. Oh my god. Uh, the courts had better people to listen to. I.e., the people accusing her now, not of slander, but of witchcraft. Oh no. Uh-huh. So let me migrate <laughs> to, to my notebook. My physical okay. notebook now. So, John Wells comes to the stand. He's a young, he's a young man, you know? And people at the time would send off their cattle to, like, graves, pastures and stuff. Apparently, I guess, cattle, like, know when to come back somehow. They find their way home, like a dog. I don't know how cows work, really. So his parents' cattle were often late to return home, so he was sent out to retrieve them. And he was halfway across the road when he noticed he could not move any further and that his legs were bound. Like, he physically couldn't move any further. Like, he was stuck in place. Like, magically. Like, someone froze him. Someone froze him. And he swore that beyond the herd of cattle he saw Kathleen rise off the ground. Off the ground. 
rise from behind the cows with a pail. <laughs> Sorry. And was like, I saw her with my cows. With a pail. And I couldn't move, so obviously it was witchcraft. Obviously she bewitched me. Obviously she bewitched me. That that was that whole claim. Thomas Wapples said Catherine had also read, you know how I mentioned this book before? It's also mentioned here. Oh. William Lilly's book. Referring oh. to that, that book on astrology. Um, so he said that Catherine must have read that book. And that she had spun excessively. Wait, I'm gonna clarify this because I also was like, like, is she spinning? Like, she's she's physically spinning? Uh, but apparently it was spinning as in she was, like, spinning yarn? Apparently, what? When? I, I, I'm sorry, this... Where? <laughs> apparently mythology associated with with witchcraft you know how okay like excessively and this is not like physically like she's twirling about but more like spinning like spinning yarn on the spinning wheel okay so she's crafting too much she's crafting too much but like think about how in like sleeping beauty maleficent like and everything it focuses on that spindle type thing apparently according to a lot of witch mythology of the time using a spindle like that assisted witches in flying during the sabbath oh which is which is something i didn't know but Um, that's fucked up that he's mad at her for crafting yeah he's mad at her for crafting too much he also claimed to have seen kathleen telling fortunes to captain cutler might be the captain she served under but i think there was like a different name which is why i didn't write the name first part of this. So there's Captain and Captain And there's Cutlet. Captain. I was like, is it the same one or is it a different Captain? I don't know. But Captain Cutlet refused her services um, evil conversation. Like, he was like, I'm not having anything to do with your fortune-telling, Harridan. That's wild. Right? So, moving on to more allegations of Kathleen's fortune-telling. Mary Alcott, she says... That in their youth, Kathleen told this woman named Elizabeth that she should have been married to William Chapman. Okay, so she's matchmaking. She's matchmaking. Okay. After Kathleen had gone, her husband, she then said to Elizabeth, Never mind, your husband is Simon. And what? Elizabeth is currently, at the time of the trial, married to a man named Simon Smith. So she's being so, persecuted because she's right. Because she's right, yeah. Oh my god. She predicted that. It was a little confusing, but, you know. But the thing is, she spun a tale. Yep. A convoluted tale. But she was right. Yeah. Time proved her right. And therefore, it's witchcraft. Therefore, it's witchcraft. This is is my favorite accusation. (laughs) So, Rebecca Smith says that Kathleen cursed a hat. (laughs) What, to look ugly? No. So, Rebecca is making this claim about not her own hat, by the way. Someone else's hat. hat. So she is saying, Kathleen borrowed a black hat from Goodwife Gilbert. Yes. And wished to purchase it from her. But Goodwife Gilbert refused. Okay. Next time that Goodwife Gilbert wore her hat, her black hat, she fell ill. She just, I was like, I feel sick and I have a headache now that I'm wearing this hat that 
my friend Kathleen borrowed. Maybe she's not a good friend. Rebecca Smith, who again is not the owner of the hat, claimed to have just just heard heard that the hat was burned and then also fell ill. She was like, I got sick because I overheard that about this curse about hat. this cursed hat. Wait, what is good wife Gilbert have to say about the hat? Nothing. It's so uh, absolutely nothing. She does not take the stand. Rebecca, this isn't your story. This isn't your story, Rebecca. Help, Mary about oh, is about Elizabeth Smith, a different person entirely. All of these people are making accusations like where it's like, yeah, she did things to other people. It's not even people saying she did this to me for the most part. This is secondhand information. It's secondhand information. It's, I, I hate it here. It's fucking phenomenal. Love it so much, she says sarcastically, and with pain in her voice. Another accusation. Uh, Samuel Martin Sr. has another accusation of fortune telling. Oh, he God. says that she, Kathleen, predicted the deaths of two men, Josiah Willard and Samuel Hale Sr. The two, Samuel Martin and Kathleen, talked about the two men, and she told Martin that he would soon see them gone. Like, she was just like, we're gonna die soon. And he went, witchcraft! <laughs> at that. He literally went, how do you, how do you know? And, and she's, like, yes, she's that's like, a weird coinkydink. She's but... like, look at them. They've got one foot in the grave already. Okay, so they're sickly and they're old. Right! She didn't even say how they're gonna die. She just went, look at him. Doesn't he look like he's going to die? And he goes, well, like, I guess. And she's like, I'll be right. You'll see. And it's not even like a threat. It's just like, you know how we we say that in colloquial conversation? Yeah. My uncle once said he had one foot in the grave and one foot on the banana peel. Sometimes you can just see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah, she she accurately predicted the deaths of two two men. Of two elderly, sickly men. People who already had a foot in the grave. Yeah, sure. Witchcraft. And then got we've got another accusation of of more death. Jesus, people have a lot to say. I know, people have a lot to say about this woman who literally just inherited land. So Elijah Kimberly testified that he suspected that Catherine, not Catherine, Catherine, it's your ma, it's my ma, we have the same name, it means the same thing, caused the death of Master Robbins and his late wife prior to him. Didn't go into any details about Master Robbins' death. But had a lot to say about his Mrs. wife. Robbins. Oh, God. Said her death was extraordinary. Alice Wakeley, who corroborated this claim because she attended to Mrs. Robbins' death, said that she, Mrs. Robbins, body was so stiff that she and Goody Wright, and Goody is a t- Okay, okay. It's not a name. Same with Good Wife. Yes. Goody Wright could not move her when she was sick, but after she had died, her body was extraordinarily intact. Like, she went from being stiff and unmovable to, once she had died, flexible as all hell. Like, rigor mortis is no, like, not at all. Rigor mortis reverse, you know? She yeah. was, like, stiff and could not move, and then death, and she, like, softened up. That's strange. strange. Oh, it's witchcraft. It's very strange. Yeah. Anyway, this was enough. She was guilty of witchcraft in October of 1669. She was about to be executed on the 20th. 
but it was stalled. Oh, for what? A pardon? They were like, mm, well, if you just you just pay your jail fees, because might I remind you, in the Salem, like in this time period of trials and everything, you were charged for your jail time. Right. It was like you were. They act like you were staying at a hotel. So right. They charged you to be there. They charged eat. you to be there and to eat in prison, and so they went, well, you ain't paying any money. Why don't you just pay your jail fees and leave and never come back? They said, we would like a slice of the pie for you to not be our problem anymore. Yes. Jesus. They literally went, leave Connecticut colony and never return. And she went, all right, I would have done that anyway. You fucks. She's like, you think I want to fucking stay here? So she leaves. Wait, so she gets away. She leaves. Or am I too early in this story? And dies very soon after. But it seems like she also had very bad luck with her new neighbors in New York. So, so she went to get to New York. What, do you think they killed her? Mm, no. But it is what it is. <laughs> like, it's the long pause of looking at your notes and you'd be like, it is what it is, bitch. In June of 1770, Kathleen moved to Westchester, New York and continued to have issues with neighbors. That is the end of my story. And died. And died. Eventually. Okay, so she was accused of witchcraft, not necessarily convicted, and just let out of jail after she paid a price. Yes. That is very financially motivated. Damn. Those are my those are my tales. Alright, so it is um my time to debate. Oh good lord. Hey folks, before we give our big reveal, pause and go to our Instagram at True Crime or Tall Tale Podcast, comment on this episode's post, and tell us which case you think is the true crime and which one is the tall tale. Then tune back in to see if you were right. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Alright, our first case. Here's my immediate thought is that you're trying to trick me again with the whole like, last time I got tricked by the unsolvedness of one case. Now you're like, this one hasn't... She wasn't convicted. And this one, she was hanged. So that's throwing me off, just for the record. I find the pettiness of the accusations in case two to ring true of people, of real-life people. That feels like that's in an actual court document somewhere. All of these petty accusations against this woman and a cursed hat. So that has me leaning towards case two is true. Case one does seem to very much follow a like Salem-esque storyline of midwives are vulnerable profession for the time period and meeting a scapegoat for an issue versus being financially motivated. Um, and it wraps up so tragically with her being convicted and hanged. And it has all that spectral evidence. But there's something about case two. Could you make it up? I'm kind of floating back and forth. My very brief debate, I think, is leading me towards case number one is our tall tale. And case number two is our true crime. And that is my final answer. You were right. <gasps> I know. Can I? Can you guess? Is the first one, which is good. It is! I tried so hard to make it realistic, but, but did you, you got to change the name? I 
No, it's Sarah Ravencroft. And you said Sarah Crawford. No, I said Crowfield. Oh. Which, raven to crow, and then croft, apparently the root word for that, or like the term that croft is for, equivalent to, is field. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I also peppered in the failed delivery of three pregnancies and the death of a mother. I don't remember at all. Oh, it was not included. I made yes. that up. Okay. Uh, that I the only The only things that were included from Witch's Ghost was... Like the the name in general. Also, I I, I what is the what is the town name in the movie? It's Oak Haven, Massachusetts, and you I it. did New Haven, Connecticut, which is a real town. And the other place in the other case was Hartford. Okay, okay, or at least we hope. Because I don't remember writing down the town, but it was probably Hartford. Probably. You know what? Actually, you know what? I think I did write it down, and I just couldn't find it. I think it was Weathersfield. It was Weathersfield. <laughs> it was Weathersfield, Connecticut, and I forgot it the entire time. Okay, okay. Um, but, so, the things that it I made... It was also, um, case number one was Finding the Journal in 1999. I know. Okay, so I also said that the execution date was October 5th. The movie was released on October 5th, 1999. Oh, just in time for spooky season. Just in time for spooky season. Fun fact, though, other than, like, me making up the entire thing about, you know, her being a midwife. She was a healer. Yes. They went on this whole thing where it was, like, Wiccan outdated being a witch. And I was like, that is wrong. But okay, we'll move on. I mean, like, you could argue that, like, Wiccan... Paganism, no, but Wicca is... Wicca was starting. Oh, Wicca wasn't a thing. Wicca was not the root word. Like Velma says, like actually, the word witch comes from Wicca, and I'm like, you're actually incorrect. Oh my god! (laughs) So Wicca Um, is a completely like modern term. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I I knew it like had its roots in paganism. I just didn't realize the term was so new. Like Wicca is like a very new age like, religion of, version of witchcraft. And I feel like in the 90s they were trying to, like... Well, I feel like it was very much a thing in the 90s. No, no hate to Wicca or anything, but also... It's um, it's got its own... Everything's got its own issues. There's a little bit of, like, problematic nature where there's a little bit of, like, white supremacy. Books in particular. Like, like, leaders of the... Yeah. yeah. There's a little structural issue going on, but... You know, I remember being a kid and watching Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, and literally I remember getting a book about crafts, like nature crafts, and I went, this is my Wicca book. <laughs> because I literally saw this movie when I was a kid, and I went, I want to be that. Well, I think, and like, I forgot about the whole entire thing where it's like she was actually a witch. Yeah. Um, but also, like, if we dissect that for a little bit, besides that she turned out to actually be a witch... Like, the whole idea that, like, no, she was just a healer and a woman who maybe practiced a religion outside of the strict Christianity of the Puritan times that led her to being accused of, like, this devil right. worship. Like, that was somewhat That's accurate very to real. the witchcraft. So oh, I yeah. feel like that was very progressive of Scooby-Doo in the 90s. Oh. They just used the wrong term. Absolutely. And honestly, like, it kind of inspired me. Like, I, like we talked earlier about how, like, my mom went, what went wrong? I thought I was raising a Catholic, even though she never took me to church. <laughs> I watched Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost once and I went, that is my whole personality. Also, I need to talk about how much I had a crush on Ben Ravencroft. <laughs> He's so He's voiced by Tim Curry, and I love him. Look at me. 
He's so your type, even when he is an evil warlock. He's your fucking type. <laughs> I know. I was like, literally as a kid, I was like, before before I even realized what having a crush was, there was a part of my monkey brain in the back that like, in my, when I grew up, there was a part of me that went and saw him as like an evil warlock that went, I can fix him. Like, I love him so much. Okay, but let's be honest. The chemistry between him and Velma Fucking palpable. Like, literally, when I was a kid, I always I was like, I want to be Daphne. But that movie made me question. I went, never mind. Okay, that movie made I me question. Be- <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Sorry to my family. Tune out. That movie made me question everything. A, the hemis... The he- the he- the he- he- shut the fuck up. That wasn't your fucking gay awakening. <laughs> what the fuck shut was? Shut the fuck up. I wanted to date Ben Ravencroft, and I wanted to be Thorne. And now look at me. I am dating no one, but I am Thorne. <laughs> so, okay. Out. This, we're good, but I'm, I took one look at the Hex Girls and I said, can I get all of them? Anyway, I did want to clear up the fact that I did use two real witchcraft allegations. Oh! Yeah, well, our, our tall tale has a oh, little bit oh. of uh, the true crime peppered in. So rather than actually, like, going and finding another source or something like that, I actually, since there was just so many allegations against, um, not Kathleen, Catherine, that was, oh. that was a Freudian slip, but it's Catherine with a K, so... Mm. And I didn't want to. Cha- I didn't. See, I thought you had done a. S- the slip seemed natural to me. It didn't cue me off because your mom's name is Kathleen it's and you are Catherine. So it's like, well, that's an easy thing for you to just like interchange. I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there were just so many testimonies against her that I just whoop, slid some of those over to try and beef up my Scooby Doo and the Witches. Your, your Sarah, your Sarah um, story, and. Those two allegations are, I, I wanted to add another set of fortune telling and make the reference, because there was two references to the William Lilly's astrology book Okay. Um, in Catherine Harrison's case. So I just kind of took one of them and gave them to Sarah. Spread the love. To spread the love and to sort of be like, oh, well, well, both of them sort of mentioned this book of astrology and everything. So I was like, let me let me share the love of that so that it seems like both cases have that same real fact. Well, you're grounding them you. all in reality. Exactly. Um, and the other fact was the gathering of bees. <laughs> oh, that's from Catherine? That is from Catherine Harrison's case and also is, yes, a real testimony that did not go any further. Literally, the guy was like, yeah. I saw her gathering bees, and no once. one got angry. I, I embellished the little thing of being like, and she didn't get stung. No, literally his whole entire testimony was, I saw her gathering bees. What the fuck? <laughs> That's it. End sentence. My coworker has bees. What am I going to do? Go call her a witch? Yes. Jesus. Obviously. We live in Massachusetts. But yeah, so I really, like, I also didn't, like, embellish. I literally, there were so many names I had to mention in both of these cases that I just kind of didn't really change any of them in the in the factual case. When it comes to the tall tale being Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, I added, I said one of the witnesses was Francis Welker, which Frank Welker is the voice actor for Friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, so fun! I know! Um, there was a woman in the Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, whose last name was Hale, so I just stole the last name. Mm-hmm. But I chose a very Puritan name, Repentance, and had her sis- sister be P- 
patients. Yes, I was like, damn. Also with having like Sarah and Elizabeth and Catherine in literally every single case, I was hoping to, you know, bait and switch. <laughs> I was like, I'm confused. Um, to confuse you. And Sally McKnight is actually the real name of Thorne mentioned in the movie. So <laughs> oh Sally goodness. McKnight, she goes... <laughs> Sally McKnight. I'm like, oh, honey, it glitched on my mother's side or something like that. And she's like, we're really shy about it. And I just go, I'm just going to steal that name and hope Jack doesn't know the names of any of these characters. Sally (laughs) McKnight did not tip me off. That one I forgot. When you were asking about, like, oh, like, what's her age? I was like, she's on to me. (laughs) Oh, you aged her down. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh Uh-huh. Um, no, literally what tipped me off to case number one being Witch's Ghost was our main character's name, Sarah, whatever you gave her, sounded familiar. The town name sounded familiar. And the book. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pepper in, like, the use of, like, the journal and everything because it was a feature in in the tall tale. And I I felt like if I excluded it, I would be lying more. Right, you're like, this is such a key part of the story it's a key part of the story um i did almost mention like like as like the other artifacts that they found the <laughs> I, almost, I almost asked you. um <laughs> anyway i'm not even mad that you got this one right like because well, you all. know i'm such a scooby-doo queen. i know <laughs> i'm like you probably could trick a lot of people who aren't who haven't been obsessed with Scooby-Doo since they were literally six years old. And you can ask my sisters. <laughs> They're annoyed by it. So, like, I knew you would enjoy this one. I that. was literally just telling Austin that we should <laughs> need to do a marathon for a spooky season of Witches, Ghosts, Alien Invasion, and Zombie Island. Because yes. they are the renaissance of the Scooby-Doo oh movies. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to throw in Monster Mexico in there. I like that one. I really like Monster Mexico. It's just, it's not in the renaissance for me. I was, I love... Monster of Mexico, Scooby-Doo, but I was very upset with the depiction of the Chupacabra because I was, like, obsessed with the Chupacabra as a kid. Like, my favorite website was this one, like, it was, like, literally called Chupacabra.com, and it really, like, had, like, an image of it that was more like an alien lizard-looking thing. And so when I watched Monster of Mexico and it looked more like Bigfoot, I was like, who the fuck is this? You're calling that a Chupacabra? And, like, I grew up (laughs) thinking that, like, El Chupacabra was the, like, Mexican version of Bigfoot, but really it's a, I think actually a Puerto Rican cryptid and it's much closer to looking like a, a, a lizard or a dog with mange. Like, the accuracy is not there. Like, I'm I'm just confused. But I still love- It's lo- a good I, sucker. I still love Monster of Mexico. I was obsessed with the Chupacabra. <laughs> I literally was. I would spend hours on this website that literally had nothing. But, but El like, Chupacabra. Like, literally, like, I- it, the website definitely doesn't exist anymore because I don't Are think sure? any- <laughs> <laughs> Fucking don't even test me. Chupacabra.com. GoDaddy said no. GoDaddy d- said no, but it was literally like, it was basically like Chupacabra.com. And it was like one of those like websites where it was like in like the early 2000s. So like the website was black and it had like that rotator text. <gasps> Oh. And then you would just see like an image and it was almost like a blog. So, but I can see it clearly in my head. Oh man, we're really derailing. Anyway, I really didn't fudge any of the facts, like names other than switching Catherine Harrison to Kathleen. Kathleen. So, that is, so that is, so case two, our true crime, is basically somewhat verbatim the actual somewhat history. Somewhat verbatim as to the sources that I could find, which was primarily the Wikipedia backpacking from the... Uh, Connecticut trials. Um, I hate to admit, 
but well, like I was like I was having sources, so you I was I I was looking at those like sources, and like a lot of them were inaccessible to me. Also, I feel like I need to note that this is the second time around of us oh. doing um the witchcraft cases. Jack was too smart the first time, and how I said earlier, it's really hard to find any witchcraft cases besides the Salem trials. I had found some great cases. Maybe I'll revisit them if I give Jack amnesia. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it to the folks. I I knew case one off of the title. And this is why I'm not giving titles to things anymore. We are not saying it just in case I give you amnesia deliberately. But anyway, I had great cases lined up. We I watched was, the episode together. You know what, Jack? I thought that you had a shittier memory. <laughs> that goes, I should never, that means I should never doubt you. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not s- mad about you knowing the witch's ghost thing now. Um, but I care about what I care about. And part of that is I care about our quality time. So I remember all the fucking <laughs> shit we watched together. Anyway, I do want to rehash some of the fun facts that I had from my original time. Yes. Um, writing Give this because I still six. I still think we talked a lot about the witch's ghost. Sorry, this is going to be a long one. But I want to rehash some of the facts that I found in my old research months ago before you ruined my plans and I had a crisis because you knew everything. <laughs> um, and I have no poker face. Right. But I'm hoping that you just don't remember the fun facts. No, I don't. Not at oh, all. Fantastic. Okay. So I changed gears. So like the first witches executed were in Connecticut. And the first person executed for witchcraft in the American colonies was Alice Young on May 26, 1647. So that's the first one ever. Benjamin Franklin supposedly wrote a satirical story published in 1730 in the Pennsylvania Gazette about, you'll enjoy this, a witch trial in New Jersey. Ah! It was satirical. But it brought to light the ridiculousness of some witch trial. Of spectral evidence? Of, like, spectral evidence and, like, the accusations and it wasn't long before witch mania died down in the New World and laws were passed to help protect people from being wrongly accused and convicted, all because of, you know, the ridiculousness of fucking witchcraft trials and also Ben Franklin writing a satirical... Listen, sometimes thing. you need a founding father to say, this is ridiculous. Thanks, Dad. Do we wish they did it a little bit more? Sooner? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> wish they did it sooner? Also, I'd, I'd like to ask you um, when you think the last witch trial in America was. I do kind of remember this. You kind of remember From last that. time. Is it the 70s? No. Oh, then I'm Well, wrong. actually, you're right. <laughs> um, but not the 1970s. Oh. So, so you might think um, not long after the Salem trials or the Salem trials were the last ones, right? And it's true. The last, the last, um, the last witch trial was a Salem witch trial, but in 1878. That's not just. Can I tell you why I always think it's the 1970s? Because on Parks and Rec, they <laughs> don't. No, it's not a whole episode, but um, she's talking about how Pawnee is such an interesting place and how um, a magician came to Pawnee in 1970 and they tried to burn him at the stake as a witch. Oh my god! And that's why I always think the last witch trial is in the 1970s. In the 1970s. Oh my god, I'm Parks and Rec. quoting Pawnee Well, it's history. 1878 and it's in Salem. God, they just can't let it they go. They just can't let it go around here. So the Salem Witch Trial of 1878 
is also known as the Ipswich Witchcraft Trial. Ipswich. Or the Salem, the second Salem Witchcraft Trial. It was a civil court case that took place in Salem, Massachusetts in 1878, where Lucretia L.S. Brown, a member of the Christian Science Religion, accused fellow Christian scientist Daniel H. Spofford of attempting to harm her through his mesmeric mental powers. And this is in the time of, um, like, spiritualism. So okay, mesmerism right. this is, this is and civil war and This is post-Civil War, but this was right in the height of, like, those sisters who were cracking their knuckles and in the origin of oh, making the Oh, the Fox board. sisters? The, the Fox sisters! That's their name! Their um, ankles, too. Their ankles, yes. So this is right in the height of, like, American spiritual, like, American The first wave of spiritualism. So, like, she was mad at him about trying to attempt harm to her through his mesmeric, men- like, mental powers. Just like, say he broke your heart, baby. Hypnosis and stuff. <laughs> um, by 1918, it was considered the last witchcraft trial held in the United States. And this case garnered significant attention for its claims and the fact that it took place in Salem. I know. <laughs> the, they, they dismissed the case. The judge went, there's no dice on this one, guys. Yeah. This is ridiculous. But it's literally the fact that during the Victorian spiritualist movement, they were like, you know what we're going to do? Have another witchcraft trial in Salem. I'm like, oh my god, you guys are fucking kidding me. You're redundant. Let it go. <laughs> um, with that, I've got nothing else to say to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to get rid of me. You went through hell for this one. Um, twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> I went through hell twice for this episode. But uh, I literally it, spent like four weeks the first time, and then I spent four weeks the second <laughs> I literally had a totally different witchcraft case, like the true crime, literally like two days ago, but I was like, this doesn't sound totally the same. Right. Oh my god. So I had to find a different one, then I was like, right, let's just make it the what Connecticut was the other one? It was the case of, um, god, it was, I'm forgetting the first name, but it was Atkins. Atkins was the last name, and it was a European Oh, it was a European case. There was like part of me, like literally, like for weeks, I was like, okay, so how do I like maybe like redo do the cases that I already did, like rewrite them in a way that would actually trick you? And then I was like, no, 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 we can't do that. Let's switch one. Sorry. Anyway, this has been fantastic. I love these cases. I so thoroughly enjoyed it. I was on the seat edge of my seat. I wanted to know more about these heady fucking accusations and this cursed hat reminds me what we do in the shadows. I know that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I literally went cursed hat. Laszlo's gonna have a field day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've referenced so many, so much other um, media. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the stories. We hope you tune back in. It has been a wonderful night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being silly with us. Thanks for sticking around. Alright, bye. Bye. Bye for real now. Ah. Love you, mean it.